This is the Double Dribble Podcast, your source for everything Alabama basketball. Now here's your hosts, Jordan Harper and Matthew Landry. Welcome to the Double Dribble Podcast. As always, I'm Jordan Harper. Joined with me is my co-host, Matthew Landry. And today we have a very special guest. It is uh, Brian Passink. He was an Alabama guard from 1992 to 95 and currently the Crimson Tide Sports Network basketball color analyst. And he, he must graciously join us today. And I, I'd like to just start off um, our podcast today by asking you an interesting question. You probably probably catch you off guard, but I, I saw you post something on Twitter um, not long ago about beating Robert Ory and horse. I imagine that doesn't imagine that don't happen too often. So I'd like to get a backstory on that if you could. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, when you said something I posted on Twitter. I got scared for a second because uh, <laughs> sometimes I, 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 po- I if I think it, I tweet it, which isn't always <laughs> always, always the way to go. But, uh, no, I can't even remember the context, but uh, I think Robert had said something, uh, responded to one of my tweets, and, uh, and so I had, to, I had to come back at him. But Robert was a senior my freshman year, and a lot of times before practice or, or before games, you know, we'd have shooting contests. I mean, not necessarily horse, like H-O-R-S-E, but you just have shooting contests. It was essentially horse, and – and I, I mean, I don't know if he would admit to this, but I beat him more than he beat me. So before he, he was big shot Bob or big shot Rob or, or whatever he was called, making all those, you know, those those shots to win NBA championships. He was he was losing to me in shooting contests. So, uh, you know. I couldn't, and, and listen, you know, I, and it's it's funny because obviously Robert is a, a legend and I was a scrub, uh, but with nobody out on the court, no defense, no pressure, I could shoot it pretty good. And, uh, you know, I could, I could never have done what Robert did in those situations. <laughs> but if, if basketball didn't have defense and you could just stand there at your leisure and shoot, Maybe I could have, uh, you know, been a better player, but unfortunately, they let defense out there. Big shot, Brian. What? What? That's right. Brian. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I just like to get your thoughts because there's a lot of stuff going around about Alabama basketball. A lot of buzz, a lot of positivity going into next season, and possibly be the most talented roster that Alabama could have in quite some time. And we'll touch on that a little later. But I just want to get your thoughts on the turnover that Nate Oates is, has had um, with all the transfers transferring out and bringing in all the newcomers and having reclassifications and just he's really flipped this roster from last year that, you know, had some talent, but um, overall kind of underperformed, probably should have made the tournament if there was one, but um, honestly they had to make a run the SEC tournament to do so. But just kind of get your thoughts on the turnover he's had because – you know, coaches that come in, it, they inherited those players. They didn't recruit them. So, obviously, they'd like to get the players that he wanted. But just kind of give me your thoughts on how you think he's done. Well, you know, last year, I thought, all things considered, uh, gave Alabama fans and maybe, more importantly, potential recruits a taste of 
what NATO wants to do and wants to build in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, with with the, the injury situation. And, and so in my opinion, I don't think Alabama underachieved at all. I would say that they overachieved considering the injuries that they had. I've mm-hmm. in my 18 years of doing the radio, I've never seen a team deal with more injuries than this team uh, dealt with all year long. And so to say they they didn't have depth and, and, and were struggling to put, you know, a, a team on the court it, it is an understatement. And for them uh, to lead the SEC in scoring and major college basketball in scoring and pace of play and top 10 and, and all these offensive categories with a limited roster due to injuries to me was really incredible. And mm-hmm. I, and I think, you know, the fans obviously were excited and, and Coleman Coliseum was getting great crowds and the buzz around the program um, was like we haven't seen in a while, which was exciting. But what we've seen in the offseason uh, since the season ended is that guys around the country, around the world uh, have, have noticed and, and want to play for Nate Oates and play this system uh, in one of the best conferences in the country and come to Tuscaloosa to play basketball. So I, I think it was huge just to, to be able to show so many people uh, the style of play that he wants to implement. So uh, I wasn't, you know, I was surprised that Alabama sitting here with a top 10, I think uh, I've seen as high as nine top 10 recruiting class nationally. I've seen, you know, nine to 12, I, I think is a range to, for, for this program to be in that position with just one senior on the roster last year. And that was Beetle Bolden, a graduate transfer uh, to, to be able to recruit to that level without having those definite spots available is incredible to see what, what Nate Oates and his staff have, have been able to do. So um, the guys that they got fit so well into the system and some of the guys that, uh, that left are great players in their own right people. Um, and, but maybe they weren't quite cut out for, for how coach Oates wants to play. So it made sense. And, and I think a lot of these guys fit in uh, maybe a little better than, than a few others, but uh, regardless, we'll have a, a different roster, a lot of new names, but more importantly, a lot of talent and guys that fit the system and uh, death is not, I don't think is going to be a problem this year. It was definitely a problem last year with the injuries, but this year we're looking at one of the deepest Alabama basketball teams that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you mentioned, the depth is going to help so much compared to last year. That was just an injury ridden year. So kind of just going off that and how you said that you don't believe we underperformed based on last season. What do you believe are some realistic expectations going into this upcoming season? Should we have one? Well, I think making the NCAA tournament on a regular basis starting this season uh, should be uh, an expectation uh, of fans of this program. Now, when I say that, that's something Alabama certainly hasn't done with regularity and consistency in the recent um, in the recent history. Used to do that uh, in the in the late 70s and 80s and early 90s. Uh, with regularity every year, Alabama uh, was not only in the NCAA tournament, but making a run usually to the sweet 16. Uh, it hasn't been like that uh, really uh, since Wimp left. Now, Mark Godfrey had some success, five straight NCAA tournaments, but since then uh, it's been up and down. And I think one thing that, that Nate Oates wants to bring and feels like uh, he should is, is some consistency in getting to the tournament. Now to, to have, 
consistent uh, appearances and runs in the NCAA tournament, you, you got to get there the first time. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned last year, uh, I, I thought that that was a team that could have made the NCAA tournament had they remained healthy. Uh, and it just wasn't the case. I mean, you, you go top to bottom, uh, the roster w- was decimated by injuries. You didn't get uh, Javon Quinterly eligible. You had the season ending injuries. Uh, we never saw James Rojas or, or Juwan Gary. And then uh, the, the injuries to Alex Reese, John Petty late in the season, Herbert Jones, who, who dealt with injuries all year long. Uh, Beetle Bolden uh, missed a ton of practice time with injury. So uh, just wasn't meant to be this past year. Uh, but hopefully Alabama will get lucky with the injury bug this year. Uh, and, and as I said, those a lot of those guys or a couple of those guys will be coming back from injury. Obviously, Quinterly will be eligible and now an influx of talent. So hoping uh, that you'll you'll see. Uh, one of the deepest teams that Alabama's had in years coming off a team uh, that was one of the least deep teams that we've had in a long time. Yeah, and what I was meaning by um, them underperforming per se is going into the season, I mean, nobody expects injuries to happen. Obviously, JQ not being able to be eligible hurt big time, and Rojas and Gary got hurt over the summer, but Going into the season, they, they still had a talented roster even without those three. And, I mean, led by Herb, John Petty, Reese, and Kyra Lewis. I mean, they still had a NCAA tournament roster. But like you said, I mean, Nick's, um, Nick's the bruises every every game seems like and always kept them down. But the, the awful losses to, like, Texas A&M and Vanderbilt and Tennessee at home just, I mean, win those games and they were a few win for the NCAA tournament. And that that's kind of what I was meaning for the, um, you know, being underwhelming is not winning those winnable games. And they did win games where they shouldn't, probably shouldn't have to. But overall, I still thought the Alabama team had a lot of talent, um, even without the three that weren't able to play. But talking about talent, I mean, the most recent guy that they picked up, Alex Chiku um, from France, 6'11 guy, and I, I don't know if back in the Wint days if there was anybody even comparable to him or in Alabama history uh, basketball period um, that could shoot the three, take you off the dribble, and just be like a Kevin Durant type player. But people like Alex Chiku and Joshua Primo, who's rated a five-star by 24-7, um, those are going to be the two leaders of the recruiting class that very well could be one-and-done type talents. And – I mean, just based off of the recruiting class coming in, what, who were one, maybe a couple guys that really caught your eye watching film or just people talking about them to you? Well, I think the, the guys you mentioned, um, you know, with, with what they did, and a couple of guys that we didn't expect to see in college this year, a couple of guys that reclassified that are, are two of the best pl- uh, players that were rising seniors now, uh, rising freshmen in college. And they're getting a lot of attention nationally, internationally. <laughs> you know, one guy from Canada, another uh, originally from Paris, France. Uh, you know, Alabama, it, it, it's amazing, has always kind of br- made its um, way, its bread and butter in recruiting with Alabama talent or, or regional talent. And, and we're talking about a, a recruiting class that definitely has an international flavor to it. And I think a big reason for that is, as I said earlier, is Nate Oates. But uh, those guys are, are very talented, and they they fit in 
uh, I think athletically and skill-wise to what Coach Oates is trying to build. And, you know, last year, you know, you had several guys, but maybe not enough guys that from a skill standpoint could dribble, pass, and shoot. You hear the coaches talk about that all the time, and it seems pretty obvious. But when you look around college basketball, there's a lot of guys that maybe can do one or two of those things, uh, but you typically don't see rosters of guys that can do all three of those things, those uh, fundamental things on the offensive end. If you got have four and five guys out on the court that can do all those things, that are that can shoot the three, uh, but if you take it away from them, uh, can, can beat you off the dribble, and then when help comes, find the open man, you become miserable to guard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Alabama's going to be this year. You know, you had, as, as we've talked about, some of the, the injury situation that Alabama had this past year, but still the offensive numbers were terrific. I, I think those numbers are going to be really good, and I think this team is going to be even more fun to watch on that end of the floor. Uh, but I think this team could get better defensively, led by Herb Jones, a guy that that I would say is is uh, the most um, you know has, has the most diverse ability on on the defensive end to defend in the country. I I, I don't know of any better defensive players uh, that that are are so versatile as Herb Jones and guys like Jordan Bruner, who's done it at the college level. Um, you know the the length of a primo in. in uh, Alex Chiku, those guys can defend. So I think this team is going to be a little more solid on the defensive end. That was an area of inconsistency this past year. Uh, So I think that's going to be uh, one area that is a focal point for the coaching staff. Um, But these guys, I I think, are going to be so much fun to watch on the offensive end. And I tell you what, I've I've done several um, interviews since this recruiting class has, has come on. And, and the guy that I don't talk about enough, I'll blame myself, I, is um, Jaden Shackelford. This guy was an absolute star his freshman year. And I don't think got enough love nationally for what he did and the numbers he put up as a freshman. I think he's going to be so much better with uh, more guys on the court that can do a lot of the things he can do. And I think he is poised for a, a breakout sophomore season. Uh, and, and he's just somebody that kind of, you know, ha- had a terrific one, one of the best freshman seasons in a long time in Tuscaloosa, uh, or he's up there with guys, you know, that, that maybe get a little more recognition, but, but I think Shackelford's going to be a star this year. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play uh, with this, these uh, new players that are coming in. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up Jaden Shackelford because, like you said, he is a guy that kind of gets looked over. And I think a lot of it has to do because of his size and lack of, you know, elite speed or athleticism because we've gotten spooled over, you know, Kyra Lewis or Colin Sexton. Then you have guys like John Petty that are 6'6", playing the shooting guard. And Jaden Shackelford, you know, just stands, what, 6'1", 6'2". And, I mean, all people say all he does is shoot threes, but – he can take you off the dribble. He got better and better um, as the year goes on, taking you off the dribble and being better off the bounce. Um, I, I think if only thing really holding him back besides his size and athleticism is getting better on the defensive end. And if he really locks in and, I mean, he's a worker showing off the videos that you can um, find on Twitter. And if he can zone in on defense, I mean, he can be a great all-around player. And I think he can find a spot – either in the G League or the NBA one day with his elite shooting and where the game's moving towards. 
um, right now. So I'm glad you brought him up because I really think he's going to have a breakout year too. Yeah, Yeah. and I I saw him get better and better as the year progressed last year on the defensive end. That first month of the season, I mean, he he was struggling on the defensive Mm -hmm. end. And by the end of the year, uh, he had – become a really good defensive player and I see that continuing uh he he, uh offensively uh I I thought you know really give give you everything you want he's strong he's explosive um you know it's not fair to compare really anybody to to Colin Sexton and Kyra Lewis those guys are freaks when it comes to explosiveness I mean you know not just at Alabama but I mean those guys have elite speed at the next level uh, as NBA players, uh, but Shackelford, I think, is going to have a chance to play in the NBA, and he's one of the surprises last year, I thought, in the Southeastern Conference um, with what he was able to do and uh, looking forward uh, to what he does this sophomore season. Yeah, and kind of just going off that with how you bring up Shaq and his surprise of the SEC throughout the season, especially in league play, uh, I got to bring up another one of your tweets real quick, just to kind of go with the follow up. Um, so Coach Wimp tweeted out after kind of the hype around the Chiku signing and all about how fans kind of kill him with their expectations whenever team announces their recruits, and you responded with, "Well, this explains the surprising lack of hype around my signing." Um, so going off that, who's a guy on this year's roster besides Shaq, who we just talked about, who you think can kind of take the league by storm, and they're not kind of getting the hype? they deserve, whether it be a newcomer, a guy coming off injury, or a guy that's returning for this upcoming season? Well, let's just be real clear that that was extreme sarcasm uh, on my part, because there was no reason for hype uh, around my signing a collective yawn uh, across the Southeast in 1991, whenever it was, a million years ago. Uh, but, but the year I, I was I, born, by the way. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! At least you were born. Uh, that's that's better than most listening to this podcast, probably. Yeah. Uh, but you know, listen. I I think, um, you know, it, I mean, it's hard to say Herb Jones is is not getting you know much hype, but Herb Jones, if you remember that, maybe three-week span when he was coming back and, and finally healthy from uh, the hyperextended elbow that he suffered in the, the opener against Penn uh, to the, the game against LSU where he broke his wrist. He was playing elite-level basketball on both ends of the mm-hmm. floor. And he's someone that I watched uh, this time last year, and he was a different player offensively. He, he was confident. Uh, shooting the three, uh, not not a Jaden Shackelford level or John Petty level three-point shooter, but a guy you had to guard out there. And we never saw it. I mean, we saw it for a couple of weeks where he, he started to feel better after that elbow injury. But soon after that, you know, you had the wrist injury. So we never really saw what Herb, I thought, uh, was going to do last year. He He was ready for a breakout season. And he, and, and I think, I guess the blessing in disguise is if he would have done last year, what I think he would have done if he was healthy, uh, he wouldn't be here right now. He, 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 he would have gone to the NBA because of the work he put in and improved on the offensive end. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that this season. I mean, we know what Herb could do defensively. We know what he could do with one hand. 
it, the, the performance that he put on uh, in a couple games last year with that cast and shooting the not just a, a one-arm free throw, but the wrong hand and making him. I mean, th- those are those are memories that none of us will ever forget. I mean, heroic type performances by Herb. Uh, but I think we're going to see a, a totally different Herb Jones this year, and it's beca- it's going to be improvement on the offensive end uh, that we really didn't get to see last year because of those injuries. Don't forget the 15 rebounds he pulled down in that LSU game <laughs> on one hand, too. I mean, oh, that's the most impressive ridiculous. part to my – yeah, I mean, yeah, Herb, you could tell when he was healthy. His three-point shot looked better. His shot – Overall, I mean, from the free throw lines where you really tell um, how much touch somebody has. He had a lot of touch on it. And I think he's a better three-point shooter than what people give him credit for. And, I mean, he just hasn't been able to be healthy to really show people. But I think he's really improved that game, part of his game from his freshman year where it looked like he couldn't shoot at all to now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward. And I sure hope for his senior season that he can stay healthy and be able to show – not only us, but NBA scouts, um, what kind of offensive game he truly has. And kind of touch on something um, before we let you go is this roster is insanely talented. It's insanely deep. And I was just trying to think back in my mind, and you might – I mean, I know you've um, seen a lot more Alabama basketball than I have. But in my lifetime, I was trying to think back on some of the more talented freshmen or recruiting classes coming in. And the only ones that came up to my mind was obviously 2017 with Sexton and Petty and Reese and Herb. Um, and I think the more talented one, in my opinion, was um, 2005 with Richard Hendricks, Alonzo G. And they signed the number one Juco, and I think his name was Ray George um, back then as well. Um, I think that was a top 10 class. So I don't know if it's back in like the Wimp days or um, – you know, the early 90s with you. I mean, what are what's probably the most talented roster of freshman uh, recruiting class that you've seen come to Alabama? Well, yeah, Alabama has had some, some great classes over the years um, and, and been in the top 10. This, one, this one's different, though, because, you know, that, that, that there was, a, you know, the, that first real class that Anthony Grant had with um, – Levi Randolph and, and, and uh, Rodney Cooper and you know that that group was uh, I think Trevor Lacey was was on that and uh, on that recruiting class and right around there was Trevor Welford so there was sort of big time recruits this one's different just because it's hard to get a top 10 class when you're sitting there with only one senior and you're not real sure what the roster turnover is going to look like. I mean, in today's college basketball, there's much more turnover than there was 20, 25 years ago uh, when I was playing. But still, you can't count on spots being open because you just don't know. And to have a top 10 class right now is really amazing. Also, considering that top 10 class doesn't include um, Jordan Bruner. It doesn't include... Um, James Rojas, who sat out last year, who was one of the, the top junior college players in the country who had the ACL or John Gary, a four-star recruit, recruit McDonald's All-American um, and Javon Quinterly. I mean, those guys were sitting out. They don't count in this recruiting class, but those are all newcomers. Uh, and that's really why you rank recruiting classes is, is to kind of predict how, how 
much more talented you're going to be and what that, you know, the, the new faces look like. And Alabama is going to put a lot of talented new faces on the court this year. Uh, the, you know, there's it, this time period that, that we're in the middle of uh, with uh, COVID-19 is, is, you know, a tough time um, for in a lot of areas, much more so than, than sports. But uh, relating it to sports and this, this basketball team right now, um, it's, it's hard. It's, it's unfortunate that they can't be together the way they normally would have in the spring and the summer uh, to gel. Um, you know, everybody's in that similar situation, but there's so many new guys that, that are not having that opportunity to play together like they would have. They're on campus. Uh, I don't think right now they're able to play um, together five on five in the facility. So, you know, everybody's dealing with that. I, I get that. And, and as I mentioned, much more important things going on with the health of, of, of people around the country and around the world. Um, but, you know, I would, I would say be excited about this team. Uh, there's reason for optimism, uh, but maybe tap the brakes just a bit uh, with as difficult as this non-conference schedule and SEC schedule is going to be um, to say there are going to be some bumps in the road. There, this is a group that hasn't played together. This is a group that really essentially hasn't had an offseason together like they would normally. Um, so just know that this is a, a build in progress that you're trying to get ready and, and shoot for March to be ready for the NCAA tournament. That's the expectation of these guys. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but I would say with uh, this, this schedule um, and they are really challenging them, themselves with that and, and the inability to play together as much as they would have, um, you know, it could be a, a little bit of a slow uh, transition into being the team that I think that they ultimately will be. Yeah, and I think you said that perfectly, you know, with the bumps in the road that are along the way that every team faces when they're young, especially whenever you aren't able to gel in the summer like you usually have the luxury of. I think it's really important right now to, for a lack of a better word, just to be cautious with the expectations with, to a degree, just because of the fact that we have to gel. These are a lot of new faces who are either going to be learning the system for the first time or they're getting new minutes for a new team or they've never played college at all and it's going to it's going to take time for it to gel. And Brian, just one more question for you before you go. Uh, I just wanted to get, first of all, your thoughts on the new court with the script A, with the state outline and all, but also, you know, just to quote Coach Hodgson here, he says how we're letting people know who's in charge of college athletics in the state of Alabama with this new state outline design, which I think really speaks to the culture that this new staff's trying to bring in Tuscaloosa and really change the face of Alabama's basketball program for how it's been really since the Wimp era. So kind of what are your thoughts on the new court design and how great it is? And also what are your thoughts on what Coach Oates and Hodgson are doing just to continue to expand on what they're building here? Well, I love the court. I absolutely love it. I think it it, it looks great. And, and I tweeted out, it's my favorite court design since um, it used to have the plaid for the plaid palace when Wimp was there uh, at half court, which was really cool court design. And, uh, and then you had the Big Al uh, a little bit before that, or during, it was during the, the Wimp days uh, before they did the plaid later in, in his career. Uh, but it was Big Al spinning a ball at half court, which was my all-time favorite. But I, I, I love this. I love the, the state of Alabama. I, I love um, the way that Nate Oates and Brian Hodgson and this staff 
they don't always they don't they don't care what you think. They don't care about politically correct and saying the perfect thing. They want to dominate this state. They want to dominate this league and not scared to say it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully they can deliver. Um, I mean, our expectations are going to be really high. And I have no doubt that this staff will be able to meet those expectations this year and down the road because there's, uh, he's they're in, injecting a lot of excitement into this basketball program, which it um, desperately needs. But Brian, we sure do appreciate you coming on the show today, man. And uh, I'll have to uh, ask Chris and see how how you're um, studying your French because he told me <laughs> the other day that he's he's taking up some French lessons. He he wants to show you up, and he, he wants to say some French phrases for uh, Alex Chiku. So I just. You need to stay on your toes, man. He's after you. Listen, that, <laughs> he, Chris is the pro. He'll pronounce all these <laughs> names perfectly. And I'll go like, uh, Ken, I don't know if y'all remember Kenny Stabler when he was uh, the color analyst for football. If it was too tough of a name to pronounce, he'd just call him old, old number 12. So <laughs> obviously, if these names are too tough to, to pronounce, I think we got them on our end. But, but I'm not scared to just throw out a number if I can't pronounce it. So I'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to give you forewarning. I was going to give you. But I, I appreciate it. I, appreciate it. <laughs> I do. We do appreciate it, Brian. And hopefully you can come on some, um, another another time soon. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Uh, y'all do a great job with the podcast. I've, I enjoy listening to it uh, and, and would love to, to do it again with you guys in the near future. I appreciate it, Brian. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. That was a fun conversation with Brian Passink. He always has great Alabama basketball insights. And, I mean, just kind of going off that, everything that he said is you do have to temper your expectations for these teams. I mean, sure, we get over, you know, overexcited on social media and start talking about Final Four and Sweet 16 bound and everything. But a lot of that's in the heat of the moment. And when everything settles down and we start to have a season, you're really going to see – that this team's really going to have to gel, like he said, and going to have to um, become a become a unit and have to play well together and figure out each other's strengths and weaknesses and pick each other up where um, others fall off. So it's going to be a learning process, um, a lot of growing pains, but I have no doubt that this team and this coaching staff will have this team fully prepared and go into the season, have a great season, um, and probably take Alabama to places they haven't been in quite some time. And a little roster news we'll touch on and a couple other recruiting nuggets that um, come to our attention. And Javion Davis-Fleming um, announced that he was going to transfer on Friday, and he released a list of teams that are – thank you, who was it? Was it Joseph Goodman that released a list of teams that – It was either con- or Borzello, one of the two. I couldn't remember who it, who it was. Listed – list of teams that have contacted him and several of them are good teams matt and i both personally believe that he'll stay in the state of mississippi possibly go to mississippi state and he'd have a great chance to play there but i mean i'm not going to beat around the bush here Javian davis Fleming leaving opens up a scholarship for the team and i mean that that scholarship has to be filled by john petty right i mean that's the only explanation i can see because i don't see this this staff going into this upcoming season with a scholarship open. 
and I understand there are some transfers still out there that could possibly sit or a grad transfer they pull out of their hat. But my personal belief is this scholarship open is for see if John Petty's going to come back. And with this happening, it kind of puts me on the more optimistic side. What 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 says you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, like you said, with Javian leaving, definitely opens up that spot and a lot of speculation. You know, I mean, I remember I was at the beach and I come up after two hours of not being around my phone and see Javian enter the portal. And I, I just assumed it meant John was going to announce that day he was back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case to this point. Um John's going to make the right decision one way or the other. It leads me to believe that maybe we feel good about him coming back. Um, you know, originally Javian said that he was going to leave the option open to returning to Alabama based on his recent tweet. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. Um, like you said, you know, Mississippi State would be a really good landing spot for him. They, I mean, just to be flat out honest, they're not very talented this year. So if he was able to get a waiver somehow, then I think he'd have a pretty good chance to have some pretty good numbers there. Um but, you know, I I want to say, yeah, John's got to be back. I don't know that for sure. I don't have any intel behind that. Um, but with that spot being open, I, I don't see many transfers on the market that we would take at this point. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure who even is still on the market to this point, but none that I know of that we've really reached out to. Um, so I'm, I'm going to hope that Petty comes back, and if not, then I trust the staff to – I mean, I don't see another reclassification happening at this point, but I trust their eye for talent to find maybe a sit one, like you mentioned, if John decided to stay in the draft, or who knows, maybe Javian could end up returning if, I mean, John's got what, like three weeks left to decide on what he's going to do, so there's still... August 3rd, yeah. Yeah, so there's still plenty of time to figure all this out, but, you know, there's some reason for optimism right now, and hopefully we'll see JP back in Crimson and White next year. Yeah, that that team would just, I mean, that team roster would just be stacked um if john petty came back and their expectations were really through the roof then and he would be a big boost of experience scoring and i mean it i would be super excited if that were to happen and a cu- couple recruiting notes that we um we had listed was james white a six five shooting guard from heritage high school in conyers georgia he's a Rated on 24-7 in the one – a little bit outside the 100s and rivals. But I really think he's going to push for a high four-star, if not a low five-star rating um, on a couple of these outlets just because how talented he is. And he's really blowing up in this AAU season. But he released his top 12, and Alabama was listed among the 12, which is really no surprise. They've been really hard after him, saying that he – I mean, he he's a pretty big priority for them, and I expect Alabama to be in it probably to the end with him, uh, the way it's looking right now. And another another note is J.D. Davison, you know, the top 15 player, number one player in the state of Alabama for 2021, the uh, point guard. He recently got two future casts on Rivals, which was basically like a crystal ball uh, pick for 24-7 one by Corey Evans and another by an Ole Miss rider um, to Auburn. And a lot of people were freaking out, mostly Alabama fans, because Alabama's always been kind of the, you know, the silent favorite for J.D. uh, for a while based on his relationship with Antoine Petway. While I've 
I've reached out to Corey and kind of asked him about it, and there's really no intel behind it, and it's kind of just a gut feeling for him. It's just basically a guess, per se. And same for the other guy. So it's a long time before J.D. Davison's going to announce, and he's a very silent kid. He doesn't – not a lot comes out of his camp, so there's not a whole lot of information. He does really like Auburn. Uh, really likes Alabama, and LSU's coming on as well. So I imagine it'll be those three to the end. And, I mean, who knows per se. I mean, G League could come calling too. I mean, he's going to be probably a top ten player by the end of the season. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts. It's going to be a roller coaster like Corey Evans said in his article on Thursday um, for him. So there's going to really no be not be any real leader for the rest of his recruitment. So for those Alabama fans seeing the future cast going to Auburn just kind of you know just slow the horses down a little bit on the overreactions because there's a long way to go so you might as well just buckle up for the ride on his recruitment do anything you want to add on James White or J.D. Davidson before we um, head out Uh, not too much just on James White from my understanding it looks like Florida State and Alabama are the two leaders in this Uh, Florida State was first offer Alabama was pretty quick afterwards um both are on him pretty hard he's been compared to top 10 pick this upcoming year Devin Vassell from Florida State he's got a really good link great score um needs to put on a little bit of weight and get a little bit better on defense but he's gonna be a really talented player that Alabama's in on um named to monitor throughout the year I I I think last I heard on him he was looking like a spring decision so there's still a lot of time left in that one um, and with J.D., like you said, I mean, this one's going to definitely go into the spring. I could see him being one of the last people in the 21 class to really announce his plans. Um, I mean, that's not verbatim. That's not what's going to happen for sure, but that's how I see it as of right now. Um, so, yeah, the future cast, I think they're really more just guesses than anything right now. It's not time to hit the panic button yet. Like you said, G League could easily get involved at some point. Um, LSU is getting more involved. Kansas has really started to ramp it up a little bit. So it's kind of just time to watch and see. I think a little bit of the speculation has come for him playing for the Atlanta Celtics lately, being with Jabari Smith, who's a big-time Auburn target, um, and just playing with guys in the Atlanta area that Bruce Pearl recruits so well. I think that that's kind of stirred up a lot of speculation. Um, But as of right now, I I wouldn't panic quite yet. Um, There's still a whole whole lot more to go in this recruitment. For sure, as it always is with recruiting, you just kind of have to buckle down and wait wait out a lot of the guys. So it's a great show today. Had Brian Passick on earlier, touched on a lot of different things about this up um, 2020 recruiting class season. Hopefully, we have a season, and if so, then Alabama is going to be a must watch for basketball fans anywhere. So for the Double Dribble Podcast, I'm Jordan Harper. He's Matthew Landry. Until next time, adios.